Hello and welcome to Aunt Mary from otrgold.com. This episode will begin after a brief message from our sponsors. Now for our story. Ben Calvert and his new wife, Jessie, peered out of the window of the taxi, which was to take them back to the hotel in Los Angeles. As the driver turned toward the highway from the road in front of Kit Mead's house at Malibu Beach, the headlights cut through the blackness. In the bright shaft of light, they could see the rain planting down. As the car turned, the moving beam picked off the dripping shrubbery at the side of the house, flickered for a moment on the little landing halfway up the stairs, and then swept quickly onto the curve in the road. But it flashed past too quickly to reveal the motionless form of Kit Mead, where she lay unconscious at the foot of the stairs, unconscious at the foot of the stairs. Her white face turned up to the right. Her white face turned up to the right. House from which Kit had fled a few moments ago was driven away. Least word she'd spoken to Kit earlier in the evening. Been feeling so happy, so placid and secure until lately, believing that she and Paul crossed an unspoken agreement which meant so. And then she'd begun to doubt. She felt that there was a bond between Kit and Paul which, in some way, excluded her, threatened her dream of a happy, secure future for herself and her baby. And tonight, when she'd accidentally glimpsed them together through the window of Paul Cromwell's house, all her vague fears had crystallized. Terribly disturbed and upset, she'd confronted Kit with what she'd seen, had called her unfair, dishonest. But after she'd gone up to her room and had time to think more calmly, Lisa had regretted the things she'd said. It was silly of me to make such a fuss. It's just that I love Paul so much, I... I distrusted the past when he and Kit knew each other in New York. I was afraid that maybe something of what they felt then might come back to them now. But that's all over. As Kit said, things like that don't just dissolve into nothing, but that doesn't mean there's anything more to them than, than a pleasant memory. What I saw was just an innocent gesture of affection. I ought to go down and tell Kit I'm sorry. Ask her to forgive me. Ooh, it's cold out here in the hall. There must be a... What, what's that? Oh, it's the door downstairs. It must have blown open. There's no one here. Where can she... Kit? 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 Please, hurry. 
Hello, operator. Get me Elmwood, 101964. Hurry, please. It's an emergency. This is Fairfield 97818. Why? On such a night, why did Kit go back out into that terrible weather? Where could she have wanted to go? She must have wanted to see Paul again, but why? Was it something that I said? Hello? Hello, Dr. Gordon. This is Lisa Fenner. Can you come to Mrs. Mead's house immediately? She's had an accident. She fell down the porch steps. I don't know. She's still outside. I've called Mr. Cromwell, but... All right. But please hurry, doctor. The silence of Kit's house was unbearable. Lisa wanted to hurry outside to help Mrs. Kingsley, but was held back by the fear of what she might see. Kit's unconscious face turned upward into the beating rain. Then she remembered Kit as she'd last seen her standing there by the chair, confidently smiling as she'd said, You can't leave Paul's house, Lisa. Where would you go? You'll stay because it's the only thing you can do. Kit had seemed so sure, so undisturbed. But why had she tried to see Paul again? Had she really been upset by what Lisa had said? Yes, that must have been it. And Kit had started to return to Paul's house. Lisa's thoughts were interrupted by the sound of low voices outside. And a moment later, Paul Carmel and Max appeared in the doorway, carrying Kit's inert body gently between them. Mrs. Kingsley followed them upstairs as they put the limp form carefully down on the bed. Telling them to wait below, Mrs. Kingsley began hurriedly removing Kit's soaked garments, wrapping her in warm blankets. At last, after what seemed an interminable wait, Dr. Gordon arrived. Lisa and Paul watched fearfully as he disappeared up the stairs, closing Kit's door quietly behind them. Paul's impatient footsteps penetrated Lisa's thoughts as she stood staring at the rain through the window. I'll have to tell Paul. He'll never forgive me. Kit would have told him, but I just can't. Too late. Oh, I'm a fool. Nothing but a suspicious little fool. Why should I have mistrusted Paul, the only friend I have? Oh, Kit. She's never been anything but kind and considerate. One little gesture of affection, and I have to jump to the conclusion that they're in love. Just like any jealous little... Oh, poor Paul. I love him so and feel I could hurt him like this. If only he wouldn't pace up and down like that. Paul. I do wish you'd sit down, Paul. It won't do any good for you to pace up and down like that. When I think of her lying out there in that rain for heaven knows how long. But we don't know how long she was out there. It might have just happened when I found I don't understand it. What could have happened? What would, what would she be doing out there? All I know is what I told you. I was upstairs, and when I came down, the door was wide open. I called, there was no answer, so I went out on the porch, and then I saw her. Lying there in the rain. Oh, why doesn't that doctor come out of her room? He could at least let us know how she is. Oh, do you? Do you think? I mean. I don't know, Lisa. I only wish I did know. Oh, why don't you go up to bed, Lisa? All the strain you, you oughtn't to tie yourself, you know. No, I couldn't, Paul. I couldn't rest until I know how she is. But there's nothing you can do here. Oh, you, you're lonely. You don't understand. You see, it's partly my fault. Your fault? But how? I said some things last night. Things I wish I hadn't said. But I didn't realize Kit was so upset. What did you say? Lisa. Well, lately, Paul, I 
I felt that you and Kit were somehow leading me out of things. That you two were closer than just ordinary friends. It, it worried me. And what basis had you for that idea? Oh, Paul, I don't blame you for being angry. I'm so ashamed of it. But tonight, when I looked through the window at your house and, and saw the two of you... You deliberately spied on us. I didn't mean to. I'd gone over just for a minute and, and I happened to glance through the window. You... So you came back and took your nasty temper out on Kit. What a contemptible thing to do. So that was it. She must have started back to see me. Yes, of course. After your emotional bend. Oh, please. I had no idea Kit would take it like that. I only... After would... all Kit's kindness to you, too. Her graciousness. She invited you to stay here. She's been your friend. I know, Paul. I was wrong. I see that now. But at the time, all I thought was that I... I had to know. You had to know what? About us. You and me. You've never said anything definite. Exactly. Lisa, can't you see that it's not the time to discuss your personal problems now? With Kit lying up there ill? Perhaps in danger of... of her... Oh, no. Don't say that, Paul. I couldn't stand it. If anything happens to the baby, I... It's not the baby I'm worried about. But nothing must happen to Kit. As Paul Carmel spoke the last words, he turned his back to Lisa and walked to the foot of the stairs, looking up anxiously at the closed door of Kit's room. Alone in the living room, Lisa sensed the symbolic meaning of his action. It was as if he had deliberately turned his back to her, had pledged himself to Kit. She realized that because of this evening, her relationship to him was even more uncertain than before. He would resent her because she was responsible for what had happened to Kit Mead. And he was right. Lisa was burdened with a deep sense of guilt. Nothing but a miracle could make things right for her now. Would that miracle occur? 